I do bring you greetings this evening in the precious name of Jesus. I trust you're glad you're here this evening. It's a, a little nicer evening as far as not raining what it was last evening, but the tent isn't quite so full, and I guess this is normal for Saturday evening. But uh, we're grateful that everybody that came out did come out, and uh, it is a blessing again to be renewed and, and strengthened. You know, when we think about uh, a meeting such as this, uh, there are some, is something of value. We cannot place money on meetings like this. Not just because who is speaking tonight, because I'm a frail human being, but because of the Word of God. It is precious. The Word of God is precious. My friends, I trust that we understand that and we will take it to heart. You know, I was thinking last evening when I, the message was on the two kingdoms, and I didn't quite get done with that sermon. I, it, it's, uh, it, I always tell people, I guess my uh, message is kind of like baloney. You just kind of cut it off wherever you want to. But anyway, it was, uh, I was thinking about the two kingdom concept, but we were on the thing of voting. We were on the thing of voting and uh, so forth. And, and, and just I'm not condemning anybody that votes, goes out to civil society and votes. But I guess that I have a, a question about that. You know, we, we want to delve in the world's activity and yet have our foot in the church. The Bible says that man cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot do that. We can try to, but we are only blowing a smoke screen. Now, my friends, I, I believe the Lord knows our heart. He knows our heart. And, you know, we can go out and we think we need to be involved in all kinds of activity of the kingdom of this world, my friends. And the Bible says that he's going to set up, it says, kings at his will. You know, I remember back, well, I don't remember it. I remember when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. But John F. Kennedy, when he was becoming president, you know, he was of the Catholicism religion. And a lot of the Christians went out to vote against him. We don't need that in the White House. Spiritual wickedness in high places. We don't need that. And so everybody that I know, the old order Amish and a lot of people went out to vote against not to have him put in office. And you know what happened? He was put in office. I still remember 1963 in November, the afternoon that we got the word that he was assassinated. It's very shocking news and so forth. But, you know, we think we need to have our fingers involved. There's a lot of things that happen that doesn't make a whole lot of difference whether you vote or not. I'm not condemning you if you go vote, but I would discourage it. I believe we have something to do on our knees. You know, how many of you, brethren and sisters, would consider, if we have an ordination, having Donald Trump come in and help us on that? How about that, huh? We like to have our fingers in the world's system, but boy, they're supposed to stay out of ours, right? Is that right? I don't think anybody wants Donald Trump here for an ordination, but... That is what I'm getting at. We like to have our fingers in this world. We are in this world, but not of the world, okay? They go about their duties, and we do our activities on our knees. And I trust that we have an understanding of that, and that is not just in voting and not participating in bearing arms and uh, putting another life down, but it is an all of life. It is a life of peace, humility, as we heard this evening, a life of forgiving, a life of giving the benefit of the doubt, a life of uh, lifting our brother up and a life of doing good to the household of faith and everyone that comes in our contact, we are to be hospitable. And that is just the way of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to be. I would like to just drop a word, and I don't know how you are here as far as congregation or uh, the assembly as we're together. We're not really a congregation. We're made up from many. But I realize that there are a lot of different, and I'm going to skip just make a, take a turn here. There are a lot of different translations out in our world today. 
And as we have the King James, that's what I've been using. I do have other translations in my office that I do use uh, for a bit of a study once in a while, uh, maybe get a little different insight. But there is something that this is not about translations tonight or this week. Uh, I would have material that I believe I could spend quite a while talking about that. But the thing of it is, we have had the King James Version for many, many years, many centuries. And in the last 50 years, there's been a lot of different translations come out. There were people that wrote translations that weren't even Christians. There were people that translated a scripture, tried to translate a scripture without even been on their knees fasting and praying. The King James Version was compiled by people like that. It was King James was not a godly man, but he had people compile it that were godly people. And uh, I'll just give just one instance, and I could go on all evening about the translations and the different things they leave out and some of the things that are, uh, I believe, almost border on the heresy. Tonight, I would like to just have you just mark down in your Bibles. You can write it down or keep it in your mind. And we're just going to take one, one verse tonight, and just for an example, and there's many, and not just in the one translation, but in many. And we need to be careful, I believe. I believe that Satan desires to have us, and he knows that he's not going to be able to do it in a very aggressive way. As God's people, we're a little bit, we're a little bit uh, uh, paranoid, and so if he can get us in little chunks at a time, he'll do that. And I'd like to just share with you tonight that in Acts chapter 8, if you read there in Acts chapter 8 about Philip and Enoch, it says that as they went on their way, this is verse 36, you can write it down. As they went on their way, it says they came into a certain water, and it says that and the Enoch says, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now, there is a translation that many of us use, and that's called the NIV. And you go right on reading in 38, and it makes perfectly sense. And, you know, Philip commanded that the chariot would be stopped still, and they went down both in the water. And Philip, he said, with the Enoch, and baptized him. You can see right here in verse 36 to 38, it goes right on, and it flows very well, and you wouldn't even catch it. But let me tell you, what they left out was the very crux of our faith. And that is that Philip said to the Enoch, he said that if thou believest on the Lord Jesus Christ, it says, then thou mayest. My friends, that is the subtlety, my friends, of the thing that is coming into our churches. And we have a lot of people that are not Bible scholars. I'm not a Bible scholar, but I pick up on those things. And a lot of the translation things are my own... My own learning, what I've learned. I've got a lot of self-learning to do yet. But this is exactly what happens. We go right on from verse 36, right on to verse 38, and it flows very well. You know, if thou, here's water, why not baptize? We'll stop the chariot. We'll go down and get baptized. The very crux of our faith was left out in verse 37. You, if you have an NIV tonight, you can look at it, compare what I'm saying and there's many other translations in scriptures that I could tell you that unless we are keenly aware of that very fact, my friends, it might be the footnote somewhere, but a lot of your people that are reading the Bible are not going to be checking all those things. In verse 37, and Philip said, if thou believest with all thy heart, thou mayest be baptized. I believe, he said, that of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then they went down. My friends, with the heart, the man believeth, and with the mouth, confession is made. That's the way I understand the Scripture. It says that in Romans. And we can try to shortcut that in all ways that we want to. But if we leave that verse out, my friends, that is so central, 
to our belief system, we cannot and dare not leave that out. I'm just saying it as a challenge. I'm saying it as a concern because I know everywhere I go anymore, it's anything. I grew up with the old Luther, the old German, and I think the German is probably more correct, but I'm not, say, I'm not saying it is. I think uh, there was things that Luther had that maybe made a little bit of an impact on how he wrote the scripture in German. Uh, but I, I do believe it was pretty good, and uh, I do appreciate the King James. And I do, if you'd come into my study, you would see, well, brother, you've got all kinds of other translations here, too. I say, ah, yes, I do. I understand that. But I'm, I'm saying tonight, I'm not condemning anybody that's got anything but King James, but I'm saying be very, very careful. This is so subtle. And many of you didn't even know it was exactly like that, did you? That's just one example. Tonight, I'd like to speak on a subject and you can turn to Isaiah chapter 61 if you'd like to. And this is why Jesus Christ came. It was a prophecy some 700 years before Isaiah came. It was a prophecy about Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what we are here about tonight, is that to hear about the Jesus Christ's mission. And you know that he fulfilled it after his experience with watering the desert there in the wilderness. He was tempted for 40 years, it says, and for 40 days. And there he was tempted. And after that, he came out and said he began to preach and to teach. And he went into the synagogue as was his custom. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, you can look that up. It corresponds pretty much right on what is Isaiah 61, verse 1 has. It says here, the Spirit of God, the Lord God is upon me because it says the Lord hath anointed me to preach the good tidings unto the meek. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And it says to proclaim liberty, liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison to those that are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. My friends, that's exactly why Jesus Christ came tonight. If it wasn't for the power of the gospel, we would all be in bonds. And the message title tonight is the, the bond, the bond of iniquity, the bond of strongholds. I would like to share tonight the strongholds that we allow in our lives and we maybe even create them. Sometimes there's strongholds that come to our life that we're a bit ignorant of. But then there's other times that we invite it into our homes and into our lives. Strongholds. We'll turn and look at that scripture in Luke tonight. Luke chapter 4 verse 14 and 18 it says, And the Spirit, it says, of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And to preach, it says, deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That was Jesus' message. It was the first words that he spoke after he had gotten into the synagogue, after his temptations that he went through. And my friends, tonight, I'm grateful. It was that which was prophesied by Isaiah and it came to fruition when he began to preach the day of the Lord. And I trust tonight what I shared about the translation is not going to be something that's not going to keep you from coming tomorrow night or tomorrow, whatever. I, I just shared that as a concern. I share that wherever I go. I believe it's something that we need to be careful of. And so I don't make any apologies, but I, I do want you to be careful about that. Back to this scripture here. When we think about this scripture, you know, I'd like to turn our attention this evening to Jeremiah. It's just right a few pages after what I read here in Jeremiah here. And I'd like to read here, Jeremiah chapter 1, it says here in verse 10, See, I have this day. Let me back up here and begin. There. Let's begin in verse 4. When God spoke to Jeremiah, 
He said, in the word of the Lord, it says, came unto me, saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Why? For a peculiar work. Just like in 2 Timothy chapter 1, in verse 8, it says, that before the foundations of the earth, we were created unto a holy calling. We were called of God. Why? To fulfill his purpose and grace, my friends. And this is what God did for Jeremiah. He sanctified him. It says, and I ordained thee as a prophet unto the nations. And then said I, ah, oh Lord, ah, oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I am a child. We heard about child, elementary. Those ch- songs are not really elementary. We sang tonight. Those verses, my friends, they should still be as vibrant to us as older Christians as they are to children. I love to sing it just like the children do. Jesus loves me, this I know. You know, I can't speak for I'm a child. And I believe anybody that is humble enough to understand that is exactly the way it is without the help from God. You know, I often say to young ministers, they they get ordained. And, you know, they stand before people. And there's nobody that has a problem with standing before people and do public speaking like I did. When I was young, went to public school, I stuttered. I stuttered tremendously. I had to go to a speech therapist, and maybe I should still. But I went to a speech therapist, and the thing of it is, I couldn't get up before people and speak. I could get up and sing, but speaking was hard. And, you know, I tell young ministers, they get up, and they, they have this feeling comes about them, and they almost tremble or whatever. And I said, praise the Lord. There is something, my friends. I told them, I said, if that feeling ever leaves you, You have no right behind the pulpit. No right behind the pulpit. I have preached for 20-some years, many, many messages, and every time I get up to preach, there is something that grips me, and it is the fear of God. It is a fear of God. It is the thing that it is a place where I need to take off my shoes, as it were. I'm standing on a holy ground before God's people and man, but before God and man, the creatures of His own. My friends, I believe it's very, very important. So ministers tonight, young ministers, when you get up to preach, that's not much hope, is it, to give you, to tell you that you're not to leave that. Let that don't ever let that forsake thee. Why? Because it is the God there. You know, tonight, when you get up to preach, brother got up and had devotions. You know, in Psalm 85, verse 80, it says, I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and let them not turn again into folly. And you know what he's saying? You know what the psalmist is saying? That he's getting up and preaching peace to the people. And you know what? When we proclaim God's word, it it is something that's very fearful in the fact that it is God's word. It is alive. It is spirit. It is truth. And we dare not do that without the fear of God and his presence. And so never let that feeling forsake thee. Once you don't have that anymore, I question whether you should be behind the pulpit. But the Lord said unto Jeremiah, Say not that I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee. And whatsoever it says, I command thee, thou shalt speak. Oh, my friends, whatsoever the Lord commandeth thee, he shall speak. There are times when we speak things that are dreadful and fearful. Tonight I'd like to share things tonight that's not going to be a very pleasant subject to some people perhaps. And I trust tonight that if you have the love of Jesus Christ and that he has preeminence in your life, that you welcome what I share tonight. But it is something that the forces of evil are alerted even before we came in this tent tonight. They are on guard 
and they're watching and they're listening. They don't want this message to be preached. So tonight, if you pray, pray audibly in the name of Jesus and upon the power of the shed blood. You know, the devil cannot hear when you pray silently. You realize that? He cannot do that. He has not the ability to look in your heart. It is only the word of God. It is only God. His angels can see into your heart. The devil cannot. He can hear tangibly and he can see. He is not the equal of God and his angels. Am I right on that? Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm glad to hear that tonight. If you ever have to get into a problem and you want, you want protection and you are not just using God as a spare tire, but you are looking to God for help. You need his assistance and you're calling upon him because he's your refuge. My friends, you pray in the name of Jesus and it doesn't matter. It's audibly. And you pray, vest all authority and exalt him in all his majesty. And when we praise him audibly and we plead the blood of Jesus, Satan has to go. He can't stand it. When you mention the blood of Jesus Christ, he's got to go. He, he can't handle that. It's, it, it's against him like that. Be not afraid of their face, for I will be with thee to liberty, said the Lord. Verse 9, and the Lord put his hand, it says, and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put the words of my mouth in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations, the nation of Israel. They had fallen far behind, my friends. You know, the thing of it is, sometimes in our life, you know, we resort, we, we, we become cold and indifferent because we're living in freedom and we're not being chased for our faith and we live in freedom. And, you know, there's all kinds of things that can creep into our lives. But here it says this day, I've set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. It says to root out and to pull down and to destroy. It says, and to throw down and build and plant. My friends, there's no way that we can be involved in the work of the Lord in building and planting unless we have tore down the strongholds in our life. And I don't know tonight what your strongholds are. You know, there's things that are strongholds, and sometimes we're aware of it, and sometimes we're not. He has set him there, and this is a big task for Jeremiah, a big task. You know, the Lord says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 8, it says to priest, it says, said not, where is the Lord? And they had, you know, they handled the law, and they didn't even know. They didn't know that this thing had been transgressed so long. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied, it says, by Baal, and walked after the things that did not profit. This was their pastors. This was their prophets, my friends. What Jeremiah said in chapter 2, verse 13, he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, it says, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed out cisterns, hewed out cisterns. It says even broken cisterns which cannot hold water. And that's exactly what we will do in the void of understanding the presence of God in our life is we're going to hew out cisterns of our own. And they're going to be cracked cisterns. They're not going to be lined with the divinity of God and His deity, my friends. But we're going to try to make our own cisterns and drink out of that thing. And it's going to be full of frogs and all kinds of stuff. All kinds of smoke we're going to be trying to drink out of it. And it will not produce life. And he says, if you go and talk to them in chapter 1, verse 19, it says that they will fight against you. They will fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. This is only a format tonight of what I'd like to share. It's a prelude to the message. 
It is the prelude to the bonds of strongholds, my friends. It is that which we need to understand the power of God's word. And perhaps some of the things that are spoken in the Old Testament, even about the strongholds in the Old Testament and God's people, the strongholds. You know, the thing of it is, a stronghold is that which I hang on to and I hold dear to myself that belongs to Satan. That's exactly what a stronghold is. I have adopted it and I hang on to it. And it's something that actually belongs to Satan. We don't often even think about it. But uh, that's exactly what a stronghold is. The bond of iniquity, my friends. It is the, the strongholds. I like to turn to, let's go to uh, Corinthians here. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I like to read a few verses here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says in verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, it says, but it says mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. It says casting down all imaginations, all imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against God. It says to bring it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ, and have a readiness in our mind, my friends, to revenge all disobedience. You know, we need to take the thought, every thought that we have into captivity. There's a lot of strongholds we have that we cannot get a hold of because they're not tangible and they are the sins of the Spirit. My friends, tonight, they are actually those things which are unforgiveness. Tonight, if you have this, the bond of iniquity, if you have a stronghold that you can't forgive, my four friends, the Lord will not hear your prayers. You know, you are harboring an iniquity even though that you feel that you have the right to not forgive the other person that's wronged you. You have become a slave to that person. The Bible says in Psalm 66, verse 18, it says there that if I regard as iniquity in my heart, the Lord's not going to hear me. The gates will be as brass and the bars of steel. We cannot break through the domes of heaven into the celestial. Only God's Spirit can. And if it's not pure and blood washed tonight, then we cannot get to Him. And we have those strongholds. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But it says that we wrestle against what? Principalities and powers and the powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in high places. When I think of spiritual wickedness, I don't know what you think about. But if I think about spiritual wickedness, I often had to think about that. Well, I thought there's only two things. Things are either spiritual or things are wicked. And here it says spiritual wickedness in high places. May I not be one as be called as a pastor that has been set to be a watchman and I have not done my job. I know I have been accused of that and rightfully so because I have missed my mark at times. I have not called out when there was sin in the camp and the Bible has the watchman set out that they would cry out when there is sin in the camp. And I trust that we have the fortitude and the courage and the grace of God that we would do that as God's servants. It's not always easy because you know why? Sometimes it comes right back down to our own household. And it becomes hard. And so we make some adjustments and we water it down. And it's not quite so bad. It's my own children and this and that. My friends, God says that he is no respecter of person. I do believe in caring for our children and so forth in a very delicate way. Because God is God and they have a soul. And every person does have a soul. But we do not direct our lives different just for our children over other people. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, 
In verse 15 it says, that what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. Tonight, I'll let you do the math. I'm not even going to enumerate on that verse. You just take that principle. You take the truth of Jesus' words in Luke chapter 16, verse 15. You write that down, and then you try to enumerate the principles on all of that. And you know the thing of it is, we come up with a pretty good list. There are things that God gives us liberty to do and have, I do believe. That is neither right nor wrong if it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. If he has preeminence over everything we have, and then I believe it can be okay. Like our vehicle. We can use our vehicle to go to the ball. We can use our vehicle to go uh, to the tavern. We can use our vehicle to do all kinds of things that aren't good. But we can also use it for right. And so what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. You just think about that and give it some thought tonight. Just give it some thought. You know, we think of, I think of Samuel. Let's turn to Samuel. First Samuel 16. I'd like to read a few verses of Samuel here. And you all know the story. I'm sure you do. You need to read the story of First Samuel here. And we read here how that uh, Samuel had come to Gilgal. And there was uh, Saul. And he had gone ahead with the sacrifices and stuff uh, that he was not to do. And uh, actually, he was... Uh, it was actually, no, it was another time. It was when he was to destroy the Amalekites, the cattle, everything. He was to destroy them. That was in the old dispensation. Uh, there was, it was a, people say, well, why in the Old Testament did God do, do require so much death? Because the schoolmaster of the Old Testament, see, if I can say it, the Old Testament The New Testament is actually in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. That's kind of a paradox. But it depicts sin. And the thing of it is, when Israel did not take care, when they reached into Canaan, they went over there, and they didn't destroy all the nations around about them. You know what happened? You know what happened? I'll read that a little bit later here. But here, in the Amalekites, they did not destroy the Amalekites. As Samuel said, the Lord said there, destroy them. And Samuel came to him and he says, you know, uh, what, you know, Saul would say, well, we did make sacrifice. They took the spoil. The people took the spoil. And I obeyed the voice of the Lord. I brought Agag. But they said, no, it was Jews supposed to destroy him. I brought Agag and the people. Saul wanted all the honor, whatever he could get it. But in this case, the people, the people took it. How many times do we as leaders want to do that? Myself, first of all, as the people, the people. We always want to pass the buck. You know, verse 22, Samuel said unto the Lord, he said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken, it says, than the fat of rams. You can bring all of the Amalekites' animals, and you can sacrifice them, my friends, but your heart is full of rebellion. In the next verse it says, for rebellion is as, what? It says, the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness, my friends, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also hath rejected thee from being king. That is serious business, my friends. Tonight, 
You want to be a priest in your household. You want to take care of your family and children. My friends, you need the blessing of God. And in order to have that, we need to stay free, as free from rebellion as we possibly can. Free from rebellion. I'd like to turn to Psalms, Psalms 106. Psalm 106 and read a few verses there. We all know the story there in Psalm 106. You know, it says here that in verse 34, he said, They did not destroy the nations when they came over across Canaan. It says, Concerning whom the Lord commanded them. They did not take care of sin. And in verse 35, it says, And but you were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. My friends, tonight, I bid you, I ask you not to learn the way of the heathens. The Bible is against that. In fact, the Lord wants a separated people. In 1 Peter chapter 3, it talks about coming out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And you know, we need to come out from, is that Corinthians? I'm sorry. But we need to come out from among them. We need to be separated, saith the Lord. We need to be brought out into glorious light. When I think about the children of Israel, oh, they enjoyed coming out of. And I trust that we all enjoyed coming out of. The way of the transgressors is very hard. We don't want to be a part of the kingdom of this world. It's a, it's a very hard taskmaster. Egypt was very tough on them. They just wanted out. My friends, they were good with the coming out, but they balked at the thing of coming in, my friends. And if we... If we only had that mentality that we are glad that we're called out of this world, but not called into marvelous light, my friends, we're going to end up, we're going to, we're going to bring sacrilegium and reproach on the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to show the world that, yeah, we don't want anything to do with you, but we don't, we don't really have the light. And so we wind up being strange and not peculiar. The Bible says that we are called out to be a peculiar people. I'm not talking about, there's a lot of strange people in this world. I see some once in a while that's got orange on one side and green on the other. My friends, that's strange. And we're not strange people. We're peculiar. Why? Because there is something different. There is a seed of God in us, and it is being showed and manifest through our life. That is peculiar, holy, regenerate. It says that we are not to mingle with the heathen, nor learn their ways. That's what they did. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and in verse 33 it says, it says, for evil communications corrupt good manners. If we keep ourselves frequent and we sojourn with that type of people, that's who we're going to become. Not that we're not to witness to them, we are, but not to have a part in their doings. And it says, and they serve their idols which were a snare unto them. When we want just a little bit of the world, it's a snare to the godly people. We have nothing to do with it. We turn and go the other way. And you have sacrificed your sons and daughters unto devils. You've made them walk through the fire of iniquity. If we allow things in our homes, in our lives, as parents, my friends, perhaps we are making our children walk through the fire of Baal if you please. Why did this happen? Let's go right across the page. In in Psalm 106, I just see this here. Right across the page here, it says, you know, remember the time when you were brought out of Egypt. You know, the the enemies were all covered up in the sea, and there was not a one of them left. There was complete victory. Why? Because God was in it. And they obeyed him. The next verse said, Then believed they his words, and they sang his praise. Oh, they sang his praise for their deliverance. But my friends, it says in verse 13, They soon forgot 
it says his works. They waited not upon his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness. And it says they tempted God in the desert. And my friends, all those that were forward and above could not enter into Canaan. And it says in verse 15, because of this very thing that God gave them their request. You know, God gave them requests, but wasn't always the best for them. But it says, you know what he did? It sent leanness of soul to them. Tonight, if we harbor anything in our lives that is not pleasing to God, God is going to give us leanness of soul. You believe that? I believe that without a shadow of a doubt. That God is going to bring to us leanness of soul. And we're not going to understand why. Oh, there's scriptures. And then we turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 8. It was a people that turned away from God and they lusted exceedingly, my friends. And it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 10, it says that with all deceivable of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And what did God do? And it says, and for this cause, it says that God, it says, shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie. That's scary business. When we are mediocre about the things of strongholds, the bondages of the world, and we like to dabble in some of that, my friends, if you open up, as it were, the umbrella of protection, you are going to allow the wiles of the devil to penetrate. It's sometimes a hard enough battle to try to be sensitive, try to be discerning, and try to be on top of things the way it is, much less try to bring those things in our own homes. When I think about Achan, I know the message the other evening was on Achan. They could not take AI because of sin in the camp. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 13, it says that he that covereth his sin, it says, shall not prosper. There's just no, I, I can read the word, I can't get anywhere. I can open the Bible and it says dry crumbs. My eyes are dry, I cannot cry. I don't have a burden. Why? What has happened? My friends, tonight, when those things come, may it not be, as it says in Hebrews, as Esau, he sought for repentance with the Lord, and he said he couldn't find it. It said he sought it with tears, and he couldn't find it. He couldn't find it. But we do live in a day of grace, and I trust as long as you have breath and you have a desire, to me it's hard for me to understand that God's mercy has left you if you desire repentance. I believe if you call on the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. That's in Corinthians. Uh, that's in Romans. Praise the Lord, chapter 10. You call upon the name of the Lord. All those shall be saved that call upon the name of the Lord. Sanctifying the camp. The binding powers of strongholds. Time goes so fast. Binding powers of strongholds. When I think of strongholds, you know, I look out across the uh, landscape of our culture and I see a lot of things that so many times we just kind of take and I'm going to try to enumerate on a few things 
I'm not going to go into detail everything that I've got written down. I do have all of that, but I'm not going to share that with you. I'm just going to hit the points. And if you want to know, you can look it up yourself and, and or you can. Yeah, it's whatever you want to do. But we need to understand that there's a lot of things that we bring on ourselves, perhaps, that can be strongholds. For a very elementary illustration of one, I remember when we were first, uh, we were young married, and you say, Pastor, you know, I don't agree with you. And you can say that, I don't, I don't care, you're fighting against the Lord. I don't have anything that I would say that is not to be in here. I believe everything I have is the legitimate purpose of being in here. But we had a child that was in her baby bed at night and cried and cried and cried. And we could not understand what was going on. We did everything that we knew. We went over and prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. Prior to that, we had a message. Oh, it was similar like this. It was like 30 years ago. I don't even remember what all it was, but I still remember it was something to do with this type of thing. And you say I'm full of hot air. That's okay. But it came to my wife and I that there is something over in the corner of that little bedroom that could possibly be something that we shouldn't have in the house. And that was a Cabbage Patch doll. We had a Cabbage Patch doll in the, in the room. And when we took that out and it burned it in the hottest fire we knew how, the boy was quiet and never cried after that. We laid our hands on him and prayed. I'd like to share just a few of those things tonight. And I'll tell you what, I think sometimes we are not as discerning as we should be, including myself, first of all. That is the principle of some of the things I'd like to share tonight. There's things that we call black magic. There's things that they used to vaccinate chickens and turkeys with a little black box. I didn't have them all by memory. I did write some down here. We call them the new Eastern medicines and so forth. They're as old as the Mideast is. Transcendental meditation. We have people that are named Christians that are finding themselves in the yoga strips, whatever that is, yoga malls, where they go do yoga, and that's got everything to do with meditation and transcendental, out of body, things like that. I mean, I realized in the 60s, nobody ever went to a massage place. We have people going to massage. I'm not saying it's all wrong. I think there's good things that can happen. You know, there's times when a person needs to be massaged. This was, this was when I was young. Unheard of. And now we are looking at people starting to go to yoga classes. Yoga. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with exercise. I believe it's important. But um, when we go to yoga, if you do a study on yoga, most of you have opportunities to look what yoga is. You can look at that for yourself. Now, what about fortune tellers? There's not as many fortune tellers. I remember up in Kansas City one night, me and uh, there was like four or five brethren were there passing out tracks. And I was beside a territory there. He had a little cart with his cards and all of his things in. And uh, I would, made him very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. Those are fortune tellers, okay? I was passing out tracks. In fact, I think I had a big sign or something. 
and he didn't feel good about that, and finally he up and left. He didn't like I was there, but it was, it was free. Everybody could be there they wanted to, and he was trying to sell his little tarot cards, you know, fortune-telling. I had a uncle, a great uncle, that was back in his day in the 30s, 20s and 30s. He was a young man, and he went into the tent of a fair that they had going years ago, and there was a fortune teller there, and he was with a bunch of young boys, and they never thought about anything, and so they wanted to have their palms read. So they turned their palms up, and the, the medium or the witch looked at their palms, and with some kind of a medium, the devil always uses mediums, okay? He's got to have buttons, strings, mumbling, all kinds of things like that. So some kind of a medium. He read his palms, and he said, you're going to be a leader of a very strange people someday. He fought that, and he fought that, and he fought that. He got married. He joined church. Probably never settled up. But he joined church. As a young man, they had ordination in the congregation. It was the old order church. He shaved his beard off. He bought a car and set it in the shop, hoping this would not be him. And I don't know how you feel. I would have felt, yeah, I would not have felt good about it, but... He was in the lot, they drew his book, it was him. And they sent a delegation of several men to go get him, to pull the book, or to open the book. It was three other brethren, it wasn't them, and he wasn't there. I don't know how all that played out back in those days, I have some real questions about it, but they went and got him. Look what happens when we open ourselves up to things like that. There is fear, there is anxiety, there is depression, there is... All kinds of things that could come in. And he was a bishop in the old order Amish church. You think he should have been ordained? Probably not. <laughs> what about the horoscope? The little omens. I don't know. Uh, there's these little innocent things of rabbit's foots. You know, we put them on our purse or we have them on our dresser or whatever. Little rabbit's foots. All those things mean something that we don't always understand what they mean. Uh, you say, I'm trying to find a devil behind every bush. I'm not. It's just that I know these things and what they mean. Um, what about the horseshoe up down, upside down above the doorway for good luck? So no harm would come your way. Or symbols of death. Uh, even bracelets sometimes that people wear that are actually symbols of death. Uh, like the crossbones and the skull. What about the fox head and so forth? Uh, I trust that you don't make a habit of listening to rock music, but you're looking at a person that was steeped in that, and there were times when things happened that you would hear backward words in those songs, and it was from the devil. And I'll tell you what, our, song, our songs, the, the, the lyrics, maybe it's sometimes just the tune that is put in gospel words, and we've adopted the ways of... The heathen, we've embraced their ways, we've learned their ways, but we've put Christian words to them. When there's repeated defeat in our lives, look for areas of strongholds. We all have a thought process. It goes in our mind and it gets into the seat of our heart. And as we think on these things, 
if we don't see anything wrong with it. We won't quit sinning. We won't quit doing what's wrong unless we see the wrong in it. And so a lot of that has got to be established by the Word of God. Let's turn to Hosea chapter 4, verse 12. Hosea chapter 4, verse 12. I'd like to read a verse there. You know, we have this policy in our congregation, not because we're so perfect, but we have a policy that if someone comes in, they are questioned in high regards to some of these practices, and not just in this, in a lot of other things, but this is one of them. And this has got to do with rods. Hosea chapter 4, verse 12, My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth unto them, Their staff, my friends, whether that be peach tree limbs or copper wires. For the spirit of whoredoms hath caused, it says, them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from their God. And this is the way you probably wonder sometimes how I keep Scripture straight. I don't always, but I try to. But when you look at that verse, turn right over to Amos, chapter 4, verse 12. It says there, God is saying there in Amos chapter 4, Therefore thus will I do unto you, O Israel, and because I will do this unto thee, prepare to meet thy God, O Israel. There are a lot of corresponding things in numerology and scripture and so forth. You learn that on your own. Nobody can teach that to you. But there are things that correspond. Why did God say that? Because they deviated. Israel had deviated. You know, there's, there's times when we bring things upon ourselves. And, and then there's things like gossip and slander that are sins of the spirit. Those are bonds of strongholds. They are bonds of iniquity. A stronghold, again, is when I allow something in my life that belongs to Satan. That's a stronghold. You can write it down. We think of witchcraft. We think of dowsing. I don't know how you call it here. Powwowing, or in German we call it brahe. Uh, we, I never was involved in that. I know my wife had Freundschaft that was involved, or relatives that were involved in water witching. And that poor family has endured the most horrible life of any family that I ever knew growing up. Lost of young children getting killed in accidents, a head blowing off with a shotgun. I found two of them beside the road. The tractor turned over on them. They killed them. It was just on and on and on. Oh, there was a fear that came over me. You know, when, when I recognized, did I, could I put the two and two together? Now, tonight, if you go home, you have an accident, and you go home to be with the Lord, I'm not saying that you had a sin in your life. But what I'm saying is, he would joke about it. And the Bible says, is it in Matthew chapter 12, it says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It was something that he believed in. In fact, the county would come out and pick him up and go find water lines. As an Amish man, they took him to go find water lines. He was real good at it. I still remember we had a message years and years ago by old Yost Miller. I don't know how many of you have heard of him out of Holmes County, Ohio, 30 years ago. And he preached about some of these things. And I'll tell you what, we were shook. And my wife and I had never practiced water witching. This is one thing that I stand against as a leader in a congregation. If somebody comes in and this is something that they have practiced, there's got to be an awful lot of proving done. If there is even a renunciation, if there is, fine, there is repentance for it. But it is something that once a person has indulged in that type of thing. And I'll tell you, my friends, that's opening up to a realm we don't want to know anything about. Amen?
It is a realm of darkness. And Jesus Christ came to bring light. And darkness is militating, trying to militate against light. Always has, always will. Darkness will be at enmity. What about water witching? I don't believe it's right. I still remember old Yo's preaching. It wasn't that first night or the second night, I'm not sure. But we did go forward, my wife and I. And even though we had never practiced it, I, I had heard about it, but we knew it was in our friendship. And I realized that we are not responsible for the sins of our fathers. But God did say in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that he's going to visit the children's children to the third and fourth generation because of the iniquity of our fathers. There can be strongholds, not that you're accountable for grandma and grandpa or great grandpa, but there are tendencies. DNA, perhaps. I don't know. You don't have to worry about the fact that you have to make things right for your grandpa. You need to repent for where you're at. We went forward and we renounced that that evening and have never had a desire to have anything like that or even delve in it. Um, does it work? What about the Ouija board? Has anybody seen a Ouija board ever? They used to sell them in the, in the, in the hardware, didn't they? Long ago, back in the 60s, I was a little boy. I go with dad to town. We go to the True Hardwood store. And there it was, hanging there, a Ouija board. I remember a man from the conservative church that he said, ah, oh, he said, he listens to the Ouija board weather all the time. He said, that is the most accurate weather that you can get, the Ouija weather, <laughs> Topeka, Kansas. Does it work? I trust it won't for you. But it does work. For those that give themselves into it. Sorcery. Nicomancering. Uh, wizards. Inquiring in a, to a spirit uh, about the future and your health and so forth. What about the t-shirts? I was at a benefit auction. And I don't know how you folks feel about benefit auctions. I, that's immaterial. But I have some questions about them sometimes. But we were together at a benefit auction for a good thing, I thought. And here were these uh, young girls that were to be Christian girls. Uh, the one had a T-shirt on with a big circle with the upside-down Y, which is, and that wasn't good enough on the T-shirt. Her dress was made with thousands, or hundreds of them. I mean, it was just continuous, the peace symbol, upside-down peace symbol. You say, what's wrong with it? I want to ask you what's right with it. There was another girl that was running with her that had a T-shirt on that said Abnacromni Fitch, and I don't know if you all know what that means. Christian girl walking around with Abnacromni Fitch on her t-shirt. That's a producer of pornographic material. I don't know if you know that. We do things at times, I, I shared that a bit last night. We do things at times that we don't even know it's a standard of the world. A young Christian girl with a, a covering on Abnacromni Fitch. You look it up. You look it up and see what it means. You've got the capabilities to do it. I don't have to tell you all these things. Producer of pornographic material, so that I'm advertising that. I don't even know it. Sometimes ignorant, and sometimes we bring it into our homes, into our lives. It will actually produce a, it can produce a level of lust in a person that they have an extremely amount of immorality tendencies, and they don't know why. Uh, it can bring conflict in your life, your home, your relationships, strife. Um, 
be all sorts of things. There are things that we bring to ourselves sometimes that we think there's nothing wrong with. What about acupuncture? I'll let you do some study on that and make your own decision on that. Um, I know God has given a lot of good things for us as people to use in the line of medicines and cures. But it seems every time there's something good, the devil always wants to taint it. And tonight I have a burden for some of those homopathic things. It sounds good, and I'm not, you have to be the judge, I guess, but I do believe that there are things that people do and use uh, in the form of, uh, there's even people selling it of our people, uh, essential oils and things that, I mean, I don't know where you want to draw the line, but if we give ourselves into things, and I'm not saying that, there's, that everything's got to be medical. I'm not saying that. But if there are things that happen in our life and in our families, that things start showing up and being very dysfunctional, strife, anger, bitterness, look for the strongholds. Again, a stronghold is that which I have kept in myself, that which belongs to Satan. And so I trust this evening that we will understand, and I didn't get to everything that night, that's fine. But trusting the format of the scriptures, the preaching beforehand, the prelude, the things that the children of Israel were involved in, mingled with the things of the heathen, and little by little, little by little, they finally went and they did the things of the heathen. Why? Because there was a breakdown. God had sent them leanness of soul tonight. And so with those thoughts tonight, I would like to just bow our heads for prayer. Think about the message. God is holy and those who want to serve him must be holy in all aspects of our life. We come before you, God, to the close of this meeting here in the name of Jesus. Father, you have the antidote to strongholds, the binding power of strongholds, the bond of iniquity, that thing which holds us and, Lord, we can overcome that by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony and not loving our lives unto death, but be surrendered, Father, tonight. I pray tonight, God, for this assembly. Would you bless each one? Oh, Father, I haven't even shared completely the burden of my heart that you've laid upon me, but, Lord, that's okay. Tonight, I want you to do the rest, and I know you can do it so much better than I can. I humble myself, oh, God, recognizing... I'm just a small part of, your, of the big picture, Lord. And yet I'm grateful that you have looked at me to be worthy to share the word of God. And I want to walk in a way that would not bring desecration upon your word or the preaching of the gospel. Lord, it could be impurity. Tonight I want us all, Father, to just check our hearts and to sanctify the camp that we live in. Our own temple, Lord, we are the temple of the living God. And so tonight I bring this service to an end in the name of Jesus. Amen.